You're listening to New Musings on New Music, where Norm Adams and Barbara Pritchard converse with guests from the world of contemporary art music. We're exploring some of the fascinating ideas found there and demystifying the wild and wonderful music. This is the second part of our talk with Hildegard Westerkamp, Vancouver composer and soundwalk leader. In this episode, we touch on soundwalking, listening, and community radio. Do you walk? Do you go out and listen to the soundscape? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, I had the opportunity to do something regular here in Vancouver because of uh, Giorgio Magnanenzi, uh, the director of Vancouver New Music, who uh, phoned me in 2003 and said, uh, Hildegard, would you like to do sound walks for, for our season for Vancouver New Music? And I thought, wow, why have we not thought about this earlier? This was just, yeah, of course. Because we used to do sound walks um, and nobody would come to it. Nobody would know what it was. And so we would just do it as a group who was interested in sound walks and we would try to publicize it. And it just never worked. It worked in context with conferences and festivals, and the, but not in a sort of public way. Well, in the context of Vancouver New Music, we had an audience. And so we got... Uh, right at the beginning, we got masses of people, 65 people to the first few sound walks. Um, you know, it's, it, that has calmed down. We have anywhere between 5 to 25, mm. maybe, something like that. Can you tell us what a sound walk is for those that don't know how that works? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Sound walk, simply speaking, is uh, setting some time aside to go for a walk and listen to the environment. That's the simple definition of it. You can do it by yourself. You can do it in a group. You can do it in any way you want to. It's just that we here in Vancouver set a framework of an hour's walk with a group in silence. You don't speak. That's the main part. You do not speak. And the um, invitation is to listen to the environment, and then at the end have a discussion about it with everybody else. What was the experience? What did we hear? How do you respond to it? What were your, what sense of comfort, discomfort did you have during the experience, etc.? And to do this, we did this four times a year for Vancouver New Music until last year. Uh, we even adjusted to COVID a little bit and had a few few walks. It became a regular practice in my mind. And also, I was not alone. I asked people whether they were interested to join me and to learn how to lead a sound walk. And we learned together. It became a project, really, of uh, what is the sound walk thing? It's not an event. It's not a concert. It's not just a walk. It's an experience where you highlight the sense of listening. And it creates a new relationship to your environment and to yourself. And over time, what has emerged for me is that you learn to become more conscious about what kind of listener you yourself are, what kind of sound maker you yourself are. You learn more about the relationship between the uh 
sonic environment that you walk through and your own responses to it as a person. And when you can compare that in a group in the discussion after, you learn a lot about how differently we all listen. And you learn a lot about how we learn listen like a com as a community, how we experience things in a similar way. Mm. And uh, to me, there is a sense that if you um, understand a bit more about when you are willing to listen to the world or you're invited to listen to the world and when you would rather turn inside and listen to your own thoughts, listen to your own chatter. Uh, there is a constant back and forth that is natural to listening that we will not always, we cannot always listen to the environment. Many people think when you go to the, on a sound walk that you must listen to every sound in the environment. No, no, that's not what it's about. It's about understanding the relationship between our sense of perception and the world and how the world influences that sense of perception and how we, how we project our perception onto the world, mm. right? It's just like any relationship, really. And so that was a big learning I got thanks to this regular opportunity to do this every year with a group of young people who wanted to learn to do this. Mm. And we've had this turnover of young people who've been exploring Vancouver and having created sound walks that, you know, some of them we had people set up. Uh, somebody would play an instrument somewhere pretending they were a street musician or because the acoustics were fine. Or we would um, sometimes we would uh, also do something with technology with not just listen guy ear, but maybe some headphone stuff um, with microphones. Yeah, all, all I'm saying really is that it doesn't matter. You can do a sound walk in any way. You can invent. It's an opportunity to invent opportunities to listen in different ways to the environment and to yourselves. It can also be a construction. Exactly. As well as an active listening experience. It could be a composition. Exactly. Yes, and, and my colleague Andrew McCartney has always challenged me and said... Um, Sound walking is a, is a composition. Mm. And I've always made that separation between my compositions and sound walking. But she was right. Uh, because as you're planning a route, you're composing. Mm. Yeah. You're actually trying to figure out what is a route that is interesting or that promises to be interesting for a group of people mm. that will engage their listening. Uh, or do we want to go along a busy road for an hour? That's another challenge, right? Mm. You could do that. Mm. And then let's talk about it. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and actually try to listen all the time. Good luck. Um, or you might want to go somewhere where um, you have those contrasts of indoor and outdoor, uh, more natural and more quieter places, um, more natural, natural places. You might want to go through a mall examine commercial environments, what they do to you, uh, how we react to them, what happens to us. It's that constant relationship and, and an understanding that that relationship is in flux all the time mm. as we walk through our days. Mm. And how big that concert hall is. You yes, know, that's exactly. my thought is that, you know, this is all the concert hall and we're just going to, the piece is happening right now, but don't miss it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it's really, if you notice that, then mm. you're inside that sound walk, yeah. noticing the fact that we are in a piece. Mm. But people can walk through it and not notice it. Mm -hmm. 
And I mean, that was was Schaefer's brilliance was that he said, let's notice it. We are in a piece. Hmm. The world is a soundscape composition. Let's begin to notice it. And so there's political implications, social implications, environmental implications, cultural implications, personal implications. I tell you, the legacy of Schaefer is huge. And I've been uh, breathless most of my life because of it. (laughs) (laughs) How long did the radio thing go on? Do you think of radio as a a medium still? Yeah. Oh, very much so. Mm. And I'm very interested to see how podcasts like this um, are radio in the Internet. And uh, Mm. I love the way that's become a creative medium, too, Mm. now. Right. It reminds me of the old co-op radio days, actually. Sure. Uh, I've, I've just been on a show with a group of young people from San Francisco called um, uh, The World is Sound. Is that the? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the whole sense of putting that show together really reminded me of the, the ways of how we wanted to use radio as a creative medium. Right. And I think it's fantastic. Yeah. 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 Do you listen to podcasts? Do you take part in that kind of that world? I, I do um, occasionally. Yeah. I'm a reluctant listener uh, in, in general, as I've already said, reluctant in terms of classical music. Yeah. Yeah. I really have to pace myself. Um, I get easily overwhelmed mm. by too much. And the Internet is too much. That's a lot. But I was listening to part of your podcasts in the last little while, and I love them. I think they're just really wonderful because they're just like conversation pieces yeah. and uh, they make you think and they connect you to a kind of cultural thinking that's very interesting mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Thank you. It's yeah. It feels like community radio for me and Barbara. It's, you know, yeah. it's this kind of adventure that we have started and, and we've been having just a really great time. I bet. And I can hear that. I can hear that in the voices. It's really <laughs> lovely. Yeah. Yeah. It's super yeah. inspiring to to get to reach out and talk to people like you. You know, it's. I it's also a think that because we are all in our houses, there is a different intimacy in our conversations. Mm-hmm. We we are all feeling at home, hopefully, mm-hmm. or more at home. People don't posture as much. No. As they like to posture in conferences or interesting um, yes. <laughs> concert halls or. Right. There is a more relaxed, um, yeah, I think a more grounded communication that's going on because we all need it. And because we can't see the yeah. audience. Exactly. You know, I've done a few live stream performances, which are really, there's a lot of nice things about them because playing with other people is really awesome. Nice. But yes. <laughs> the lack of audience is notable that there's no audience there. Um, and maybe it's harder for us to posture when when no one is watching or we don't feel like they're, we can't see them. You know, we're not performing. We're just being ourselves. Right, right. A little bit more. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting experience because, um, I mean, I don't know whether musicians can posture. I was thinking more when I oh, used that word of, of, of... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, they can <laughs> <laughs> okay, no more. <laughs> say no more. <laughs> As you say, if you have an audience that listens in a certain way, 
you, you can feel that as a musician. You can. And then maybe you don't have to posture. Maybe you can, uh, you can really be grounded in your playing. And and it's the same in conversation. If you you receive a kind of listening, then you can also speak in a certain way, mm. and that enriches the communication. And that's what I'm feeling now, mm. speaking with you. Mm. Yeah, it's very nice. It's very nice. I'm going to come out and see you in Vancouver as soon as I can leave my province without deep penalties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've actually exactly. I got an idea for a project while you were talking about sound walks, and I think I'm going to oh. I'm going to put a grant together and come out and and learn to lead sound walks with you. Wow. How about that? Okay. I'll okay. Pay you money. It's a deal. <laughs> Barbara, you can come with me. Yes. Oh, all right. We Great. can do that together. Because yeah, I all think right. that, that that's what I like to do the most is the sound walks. I mean, the idea of that calm walk makes me think of Pauline, of course. Um, yes. But yeah. but the idea of the construction of the piece of like in, of designing the walk, where the walk goes to create the piece, and then the yeah. the, the, the the sort of abstraction of the the concert hall and the you know the nature of a concert and the you know how we're inputting this stimuli is very interesting. It's, you know, it's quite different than leaving home and getting in your car and driving and parking and going into a concert hall and sitting in a, you know, buying a ticket and sitting in a comfy chair and very quietly. It's quite a bit different. Yeah, because it, it is something comforting in the fact that the environment uh, is not going to be predictable. Hmm. Uh, and you can improvise with that as mm -hmm. a listener, as a creating the root. You know when you create the root, yes, you're composing something, but on the day when you're leading that group, that environment is going to sound completely yeah. differently. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that knowledge that nothing is secure in this structure, I find incredibly grounding. Mm -hmm. Because then there is opportunity to create on the spot to to listen uh, from a grounded uh, place and to trust that you then can also respond to it also on a sound walk of course there's no need to respond as a as a sound walk leader you have responsibility mm. you have to make sure that your group is safe uh, and you have the responsibility to listen just as much and even more mm. Right. Then you're a participant, right. right? You have to do all of that. And that transition from being a soundwalk participant to being guiding the soundwalk uh, or setting a guiding framework um, wakes everybody up just this much more. And your listening changes in a more sort of social way. Hmm. Um, and it, uh, it gives the whole context... Um, it's not just a meditative walk. It's not just a relaxation. It is actually an action. Mm. And uh, the meanings that come out of it are significant because you have paid attention and you have noticed as much as you could in that stretch of a sound walk. Mm. I can say that there's not one sound walk that has ever been boring. Mm. There's always inspiration in sound walks. Mm. And that is the grounding part, yeah. right? That you yeah. know that you get, you're going to be connected somehow. You will have changed your relationship to that place in the city. And you also will never forget that you had listened to that part of the city in a special way. 
Have, have you had any performers who have gone on these sound walks and then have found that the way they've discovered how to listen on those um, affect the way they listen to themselves in performance? Uh, I'm thinking about, you mentioned yeah, the, the unpredictability of the sound walk and how when things happen you have to be sort of grounded and it, it reminded me of live performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Live performance can be very uncertain. You get to something which you thought you knew what was going to happen and it, something else happens and you have to be grounded. So have you had any reaction from performers? Yes, I about, have. About this kind and, of thing? And I have had reactions um, uh, from performers that did not walk with us but that performed in the, in the walk. So, for example, one that was really significant was um, on Bowen Island, a, a saxophone player. Um, Bowen Island has a cove, and my plan was to lead the sound walks along the cove. And um, there is a, a tower in the center of that cove, and I asked him whether he would like to stand in that tower and play something every minute. And... I described to him a little bit like speaking with Norm about the improvisation for Liebeslied is uh, I'd like you to listen to the environment while you while you're up there and play in relation to that maybe responding maybe not and um, I wanted him to do that for 20 minutes so there was, would be Every minute there would be something coming from him as we were walking along the cove and come, you know, getting further away from him, coming closer. And <laughs> it was very, very interesting. What I heard was that the first, I would say about the first 10 minutes, he played jazzy riffs every minute. And they were great. It was wonderful. And then I realized, oh, he was actually conversing with a seagull just now. <laughs> and... <laughs> Oh, now there is something else here that is much more uh, environmental. Hard to describe. It it felt like he was beginning to, through his own playing and through the listening, he was beginning to connect with the environment. And by the end of it, his playing had really changed. Well, then he came to the discussion afterwards, and he was talking about that transformation that we could hear in his playing and how he had... Uh, more and more noticed sounds in the environment and then uh, not necessarily imitated them, but conversed with them, um, created some sort of connection, gave mm. him ideas. Mm. And I, you know, I had never actually observed this so clearly. And um, he was totally excited about what he had discovered. Right? You're coming from your life, and then you're suddenly in silence with the group, walking through an environment, and you are adjusting. There's a transition from whatever happened the day, the time before you came to the walk, and then you're in that transition period, and you find yourself connecting more and more. And I've learned over the years that at a point of about 20 minutes to half an hour, there is this point where you know as a leader that the group is in, <laughs> mm. completely in. Mm. We're walking as a unit, uh, or rather, you know, as a unit, but often spread out because people have slowed down 
doesn't matter sometimes how fast I walk or slow. People slow down because they're in the soundscape, inside the soundscape, and their their pace is according to their listening, and you can feel that. Sometimes it happens much earlier. If there's something that happens and surprises us and five minutes into the walk and suddenly something happens and we're just zapped <laughs> into being inside, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Uh, sometimes it happens later, um, but it always happens. And so what the musicians expressed viscerally in a sound work actually happens to all of us listening. The connection gets deepened, hmm. and we have an opportunity to uh, reflect on that. And that's the silence. The fact that we're not speaking with each other gives us that opportunity to also mm -hmm. listen inside of ourselves and reflect on what, what, what is actually going on here. And Pauline, of course, you know, she deepened my understanding of um, sound walks through her workshops and um, her, the concept of deep listening, um, the extremely slow walk that she has as an exercise, for example, all yeah. those things yeah. Yeah. go just a level deeper than originally I understood soundwalks. I did the extremely slow walk with her in New Mexico a few times when I was there, when I first met her. Uh, Isn't it amazing? It's amazing. <laughs> I, just, I thought I would be flying by the end of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't want to do that in downtown Vancouver, maybe the extremely slow no. walk. But... We've done it in Stanley Park. Oh, yeah. 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 We've done it as part of sound walks where we would allow maybe 15 minutes for it. Uh, and I'm not sure whether that's successful, but it's always stunned people hmm. uh, because you literally you can't ever walk slow enough, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Thank you. It's great to talk to you. Well, thank you. This is so nice. <laughs> oh, we're so pleased you could be with us. Yeah, we've really yeah. been looking forward Finally. to this. And let's all stay healthy, eh? Fantastic. It's great to see you. Great to talk to you, Hildegard. Great to see you. Thank you so much. You've been listening to New Musings on New Music, demystifying contemporary music, produced by Suddenly Listen Music. Check our podcast website for links to music and information that will eliminate and illustrate our discussions. Don't forget to subscribe to stay up to date on new episodes and podcast news. Suddenly Listen acknowledges the support of Arts Nova Scotia in the presentation and production of this podcast. Thanks for listening.